To start the approaching spring season off right, I have the perfect wine pairing for you in today's episode. One freezing Friday evening, I was lucky enough to get schooled by Tanisha Townsend, a wine expert, educator, sometimes judge, and definitely connoisseurs of fine wine. I met Tanisha at a mutual friend's podcast end of season party and I was very intrigued about her profession and plans for the future on making wine jargon and tasting experiences more accessible, especially for women, I must add. Tanisha works as a professor at INS EEC School of Business and Economics, judges wine competitions and hosts a podcast from Studio Ocenta, where she speaks about everything you want to know about wine, but are afraid to ask. Find the Wine School Dropout podcast and her personal account, A Girl Meets Glass, on Instagram and start your wine degree off right to debate with more depth at your next girls or guys night. For everyone visiting or living in Paris, this episode is definitely gold in that she spills the tea about some really good bars in town. Without further ado, please enjoy episode number five of That's My Niche. And now, over to Tanisha. Do you need any wine or anything? Or okay? Do you need anyone? I mean, you might be like, oh, it's only like <laughs> five o'clock. So. Well, it, it depends on you. Are you going out today? No, I am trying not to leave the house. I'm probably going to order delivery. Actually. Oh, nice. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to eat. Because laziness. Wine makes me awesome. Um, well, do you want to have a glass of wine together? Yes, we okay. can do that. Oh my God. A, yes, we can do that. Hopefully it's a good one. I don't, I don't know. Let me look over your shoulder. Oh, no, sorry. This, the kitchen is a nightmare. Oh, it's the weekend. Yeah, and I was supposed to clean it, but uh, I thought it didn't work. So. Okay, so yeah. just just to get an idea, how much wine do you do you I, have in your house? I actually don't have that much. I might have like twelve bottles. Oh my god, that's so much. Is it? I don't think it's a lot. I mean, like I know people have way more, but also I mean it's not like it's a big apartment. You know, Paris is tiny. Well, I didn't expect you. I didn't expect you to have as much wine as my dad because he was, you know, I mean, like I know when I lived in the states, I had um, way more. Like how much? Do you have like a proper wine fridge? Yeah, I had a proper wine fridge, and then I had a wine. um, I had wine racks, and then I had a wine thing that leaned up against the wall. Yeah. So how many bottles are we talking? had like at any given time at least 40 but also people would send me samples I should taste this first it might be because it's an older wine oh my god okay show me how it's done show me how it's done so this is a 2010 oh what are we looking for here it I don't know well whenever there is red wine involved all I all I smell is cherry (laughs) Right, like medicine. I'm always like it's cherry, it's cherry, cherry after Not bad. It tastes yeah. So it was a 2010, which was a decent year. Oh, I'm getting something else here. Oh, tell us. What am I getting? Do you need me to pull out the aroma wheel so you can get a few more things? Shall we? Maybe. I have an aroma wheel. Let us go back into the salon. Okay. All right. So you have the aroma wheel. And what this is, is just a way for you to have some language and some words to use to describe the wine. The ones that are most important are, think of it in larger categories first before you break it down into, oh, I get cherry berry. I mean, so you can I do go that. from like inside to outside. Yes. And the most important ones inside, floral, spicy, fruity, herbaceous or vegetative. The rest What's of these, vegetative? that gets um, green oh, beans, herbs. green pepper, ah. herbs. <clears throat> yeah, there are some wines that smell like fresh cut green beans or asparagus. Really? Like, mm-hmm. Is that good? <laughs> yeah, those are fine. Yeah, those are fine. Are those, but then is it more like, if you say herba- herbaceous and vegetative, are these more white wines? Or could they also be red? Red. They could also I be red. I barely drink red wine. That's yeah, why I'm they could also be red. Oh, do you need... Oh, I don't have any wine. No, no, no. I don't no, have no. any white It's totally fine. Wine. It's totally fine. 
It's winter. I think in winter, the red wine is... That's why I don't have any white chill. I'm like, because I was looking through, I was like, oh, I should probably have something for us to drink. And then I was like, oh, these are all like crisp whites. They're all like spring, summer white. So I'm not even going to drink those for a while. I think I'm even going for like the the spicy category. Uh, I think I'm even going for the anise and cloves. Okay. You would be correct. I mean, it's kind of funny because my dad is quite the wine nerd. Oh, really? Yeah, but I'm never very... Like, the, in my little town where I grew up, mm-hmm. he still lives there. And once a year, they have this little wine fest. Mm-hmm. So he goes there with me. Uh, and then there is different... How do you call them? The people who make the wine? Oh, vineyards or winemakers. The winemakers. Mm-hmm. And... <clears throat> And then he takes me on this journey. So you only get that, you know, one, like one yeah, little, yeah, they give you like a little drop portion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he takes me on this journey and then he tells me f- you like, which, like w- what kind of flavors or what, what brands you start with. Mm-hmm. It's not brands. It's what is it? What grapes or what, why, or what, um, what houses, domains. Yeah. What type, what type of wine? What type of wine? Yeah. What regions? What type? Yeah. So what you would start with, mm-hmm. because what you, what would you start with? Um, let's talk about white wines. Okay. Do you start with a Chardonnay? Start with like for a meal, for a tasting or. Let's say I'm at, I'm at this wine fest with my dad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> Picture it. Yeah. All right. I'm there. And then, you know, I'm just used to, I mean, the types of wine that I really like is, for example, the Chardonnay or also, you know, this Austrian wine, Gemischter Satz. Do you know that one? I do. I have heard of that one. Yes. So those are like my... Maybe. I might have. I mean, you should, next time you should go with my dad. Right. I'm like, maybe you should. I'm going to meet your dad. We're going to go. We're going to have some wine. It's going to no, be fun. Seriously. It's going to be a grand experience. Yes. I mean, absolutely. Just grand. <clears throat> so in terms of white wine, what's the, what would be the journey? Honestly. It doesn't have to be. I mean, obviously those would be Austrian wines, but in yeah. general. Honestly, I would probably start with a sparkling wine. If there was a sparkling wine available, I'd probably start with that just to kind of get my palate ready. Um, What's a sparkling wine? Uh, so a sparkling wine, I mean, it includes champagne, but then also a cava, prosecco. So anything with the effervescence, with the bubbles. So when you pop it. How does this get your palate ready? Because of the effervescence, it kind of makes you, um, it makes your mouth water. Oh, does this also have to do with circulation? A little bit, yes. Oh, yeah. so, so um Yeah, it gets your mouth watering. Um, it is also very refreshing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why they serve champagnes as an aperitif. So something mm-hmm. you have like before your uh, meal. So I would probably start with that if it was available. If not, I think the first white would probably be, that might be Chardonnay. I think it would depend on what the whites uh, they had available. Yeah. I am actually not the biggest fan of Sauvignon Blanc, so that's mm-hmm. not going to be where I ever start mm-hmm. or ever try anything, so I'm not going to do that. But yeah, I'm really a big fan of Chardonnay mm-hmm. and want to do some more research and maybe like a project on Chardonnay. Um, eventually, I want to move into that. Mm-hmm. Because people always think of Chardonnay as like, oh, it's too this, it's too that. I don't like Chardonnay. I think it's more like a trend to say I don't like Chardonnay than to actually know it. How can you not like Chardonnay? It's, it's also a- because Chardonnay is so um, versatile. That's the word. I'm like, wow, I couldn't think of the words. And so the flavors are so different depending on where it's from. French Chardonnay versus California Chardonnay versus Virginia Chardonnay versus Chilean Chardonnay, Australia. Italian Chardonnay. Those aren't the same. Mm-hmm. Even if you break down French Chardonnay from mm-hmm. Jura, from Chablis, or Blanc de Blanc from Champagne, those all taste different. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, don't discount Chardonnay. When people don't like it, I'm like, have you tasted this style? Or I'll blind taste them on it. They're like, oh, this is so fantastic. I love it. What is it? I'm like, haha, Chardonnay. <laughs> you do like Chardonnay. I always go for Chardonnay. If I'm in a restaurant, I always go for Chardonnay. If if there is nothing else that that I'm like, oh, I really want to try try this, mm-hmm. or I mean, but <laughs> right, which I'd imagine you don't find that often outside. Kimishtasatz. Mm-hmm. I actually found it at one German restaurant in London. Okay. Um, 
yeah, but that was it was funny because it, well, it's a, it's called it was called the German gymnasium, the restaurant. Because it was an old, the building was a German, like an old gymnasium. That's interesting. It was very interesting. It was a very, very nice restaurant. And uh, then they had this Austrian wine. I was like, well, I mean, you're not really right. true like, to. <laughs> but yeah, Gemischte Salz is just very uh, fruity and flavorful. Um, and then what do, do you think, because in Austria, in the summer, mm-hmm. we always mix the white wine with sparkling water. Okay, a little spritzer. It's not my favorite thing to do because I just enjoy wine. So I never want it to be um, watered down. I never want there to be a mixer in it. Keeps you hydrated though. In the yeah, I'll just drink some water separate. Just like I don't, um, I don't do, some people do ice in their wine. Oh yeah. I'll do that with rosé in the summer, so rosé oh, yeah, well, yeah. So that's like very nice. Um, wine cocktails can be nice too, but sometimes water just really changes the flavor. Oh, what's a wine cocktail? A uh, wine cocktail like Fruit Seventy Five with sparkling wine and gin and maybe some Saint Germain liqueur. I've never and like that. a sugar cube, sugar cube. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're okay. wine cocktails. Wine cocktails. Yeah. Uh, New York sour, which is like a whiskey sour. And then you do like a float of red wine on the top. Mm-hmm. Okay, this is a whole new world. Well, you know Aperol Spritz. Yeah. Well, so that's yeah. essentially a wine cocktail. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's yeah. probably the only one I yeah. really know. <laughs> yeah, you don't do too much with wine because wine is already so flavorful. So it's really hard to mix other things with it and not have like the alcohol be completely off balance and like blow your palate out. Yeah. So like why? It's like you're not doing, oh yeah, let's do this whiskey, let's do this whiskey and then wine and then this and that. No, no. You gotta keep the candlelight. <laughs> so So what is your niche, Tanisha? Uh I'd probably say my niche is drinking wine and talking about it. Oh, is that okay? Because that might be two niches or it's like two in one. Maybe that's like an umbrella. Umbrella niche is me and then drink, talk. What do you What do you say when people ask you what you, what you do? Oh, it depends on who's asking because I do so many things. <laughs> but I think when people ask me, um, it really depends. Some people I say that um, I'm a professor. Uh, I might say I'm a blogger or a vlogger. Uh I might say I um, drink wine and talk about it. I am a wine and food tour guide. It depends on where I am. And it depends on where I am and who's asking. Yeah. How I formulate the answer for that. (laughs) And I'm not saying that to be difficult. Like, I do so many things. I'm going to just... No, it just... I do a lot of things because that's just how I... um, won't say develop my brand, but that's just what my brand turned into. Uh, people ask for different things and I could do those things and I enjoy those things and take pride in doing them. So I did them. Mm. And there's that. So where did you where did you grow up and what were you like as a kid? <gasps> oh, I grew up in Chicago, Illinois. The S is silent, Illinois. So it's almost like a French word. <laughs> Don't pronounce that last letter. Don't worry Actually, about it. Yeah. yeah, it's irrelevant. Um, as a kid, I talked a lot. I used to always get in trouble for talking so much. And it's funny because as an adult, I'm not like that. Mm-hmm. I think it might be because I'm here and can't speak, get my words and thoughts out in French as fast as I'd like to. So I'm quiet often and people are like, oh, you talk a lot? I'm like, just wait till you hear my English. Um, but I like to have fun I like to play with friends Um, I was really good at meeting people then talking to anybody that definitely changed as I got older Mm -hmm. but as a kid no mom dad I made a new friend they're like you've been outside for 20 minutes I'm like well I still made friends so there's that can they come have dinner what how are you inviting people to the house (laughs) Um, so that was kind of me as a kid do you have siblings I have a brother Yes, he's younger. Married, two children. Is he very? Was he very different from you? Was he? Because when I was when I was young, my mom said when we were on holiday, for example, she said, 
I would bring the people and then I would leave them with my sister and she would play with them. So I was just bringing in the people and she would be like, I guess it was different for us since we are four years apart Mm -hmm. and he's a boy. Mm -hmm. So it was, we didn't get close until like our adult lives. So until he went to college, um, I think maybe we might have been close when we were both kid kids, but then once I became a teenager, I was like, what am I about to do with this kid? Yeah. Like, mm. no. <laughs> I'm 13, he's mine. Like, what what are we doing? Nothing. <laughs> um, but yeah. I think now we're similar but different. There are some qualities he has that I wish I had, and then I know vice versa. Um, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, did that answer your question? I'm always worried. I'm like, did I answer a question? I said a bunch of words, but... No, I think you did. Okay. I think you did. If you listen back and then I didn't, then just call me. We'll go over it. <laughs> okay, listen. We <laughs> we'll fill to... it in. <laughs> you listen to it after we finish recording so and we then fill it in. do the whole question. Yeah, whole thing. We'll... <laughs> and just insert it in as you see it. I'm just trying to... I'm just trying to understand... If what you do now, then mm-hmm. you could also see now looking back those qualities, you know, as a, as a kid, because I guess as a kid, you, you know, very, you're true, authentic, whatever, because I mean, you, you're just living a life, right? So sometimes if you, or I find myself often in a situation where I'm like, who am I? What am I doing? What am For I sure. good at? Blah, blah, blah. Yes. And then sometimes when I talk to my mother and she's like, well, you know, I mean, this is how you are. You've always been like this. Oh, that's nice of her to say. Um, I don't know. I never saw this for myself. I think the only thing that I can say that it is the same is that I was always kind of restless mm-hmm. and had like a wanderlust spirit about me. And always needed to be doing um, a lot of things, but then also different things. I couldn't do one thing for a long time. I couldn't be in a place for a long time. So part of that is how I got here. Um, I am trying to quash that a little bit because I want to stay here um, because I don't know where I'll go next. Also, I'm not learning another language. (laughs) Forget it. No, like about Spanish, Portuguese, German, like, sorry, but like, I just, I can't. I'm French, and that's it. Yeah. We're doing French and English, we're done. It's enough. It's enough. It's so hard as an adult. Mm-hmm. But um, as far as the career path or anything like that, no, I didn't see that at all. It's funny that um, I teach, and also my brother, he kind of teaches and trains as well now. Um, but both my parents were teachers. And then administrators and principals and things like that. So we never thought we would get in that. We're like, no, we're working corporate, you know, America. That is what we're doing. And then through other circumstances, we both got out of that and then got into this, sharing our knowledge with um, other people and um, on a grander scale. And so it's just that part is kind of funny to me that I never saw myself being like a teacher or anything like that. But now that I'm doing it, I really, really like it. Mm-hmm. Now, it is stressful. And there's a lot of work. So whew, I feel bad for times I gave my teachers problems and looked at my parents like, what, are you home at like three o'clock? Like, how are you tired? Like, what? <laughs> but, but man, the, the thing about teaching is you have to always be on. Like, it's you go to your job and you're always on. Whereas other jobs, say you work in an office, you go to your office, you have your coffee, you sit at your desk by yourself and you do your work. Okay, yeah, you have a meeting, you present, you do that. But when you teach, it is you being on the whole time. Mm -hmm. And students aren't always great. (laughs) I'll just say that. I don't know how else to say it or how more, you know, to be more polite about it. Students are not always great how old are your students is, is it um so where do you teach um i'm at a university uh and the students are probably like 19 to 25 well i mean that's a difficult age range but still i would think like okay this is university age i would definitely think this is much better than like 
10 to 14. I mean, granted, I couldn't teach my subject matter for 10 to 14, but I wouldn't think I would have to do as much, shut up, put your phone down, um, close your laptop, stop talking to each other. What are you doing? Pay attention. I definitely wouldn't think I had to do that much of that. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm like, I'm teaching and talking about wine. How are you not interested? <laughs> this is riveting material. Okay, how are you not into this? That's just so good. <laughs> but they're it's not. Right. At the end of the day, it is true. It's like, well, I mean, this is what you should be all about between 19 and 25. Right. How can you not relate? <laughs> I mean, but when they do, things. right, when they do perk up or when I do get a good response, when I have wine in class to take. So we don't drink wine in class all the time because that would be a bit much. Yeah. But um, when we do have wine, they're like, ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, we're so glad you brought this. Wonderful. Oh, they're like that. Um, They also respond well to guest speakers. I've had a couple guest speakers come in, too, because um, it is, again, a lot for me to stand up there and talk to them and teach and train or whatever for 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so I brought in other people in the the field, uh, whether it be wine or spirits. I've done spirits, too. Mm -hmm. I've had them come in just for them to hear a real live business perspective from someone, Mm -hmm. from someone who has started a business or who works for a certain uh, company who's gained some notoriety or something like that. And for them to be able to ask them real life questions, because I can ask some, you know, I can answer some questions and teach them things from case studies and books and just from my knowledge and things like that. But to really have someone there in front of them that has lived it or built a brand from the ground up and can talk about, okay, well, this is how I select my grapes and this is how I planted my vineyard and this is how I did this. That is um, amazing for them. They've been really responsive. So is it a school for what what do they intend to do when they finish school? The program is in um, it's a degree in wine and spirits. And so they can go into distribution, marketing, they could run a wine brand or spirits brand. Um, they could manage a restaurant, a hotel, a cruise ship, thing like that. Mm. Yeah, that's the kind of thing they want to go into. Oh wow. Yeah. So how did you get into this? Into wine? Yeah. So, okay. So you're 13 mm-hmm. years old. You have a nine-year-old brother. You're like, well, he's no, he's no use to me. Yeah. So it was a little later in life. Um, yeah. I actually got into wine later, later. I was in graduate school when I got into wine. And the graduate school stressed me out. And so I was like, well, I should drink some wine to relax because that's what all the cool kids say you're supposed to do. And I think I read it on the blog somewhere. <laughs> And so I did that. I was like, oh, this is tasty. I like it. Um, Do you remember what kind of wine were you drinking? If I had known it would be like this much of a life-changing thing and such a pivotal moment in my life, I would have remembered that. And I also would have remembered the next story, which is I went to a wine festival and met a winemaker and talked to him about his wine. And he was so passionate about it. And I was so passionate trying to understand why there were cherries in my glass. And there were no cherries on the farm. There were no cherries squeezed into the juice of the wine. And I couldn't understand that. But I don't remember who I was talking to or what wine I was drinking. I mean, who knew it would be an important story to this day? I had no idea. I'm like, I'm at a festival. I'm drinking wine. There's that. But I tell that story all the time and literally have no idea who I was talking about. <laughs> so sorry to that man. <laughs> I don't know who he is, but got really fascinated and then started taking wine courses from there and then got a little part-time job working in wine and then kind of went on and on and on. Still, go, still in grad school and still working a full-time job. So, okay. I mean, that's a lot. So, okay. So you're at the wine festival. Yes. The next day you wake up and you're like, I have to know more about this. Yeah. And so, of course, um, our number one resource, Google, gave me a bit of information. But I was like, I need to know more. Let's see if there are any classes on this. So then I looked up classes and found the certification course. And I was like, ah, let's take it. 
I said, was this in Chicago? This was in D.C. Oh, okay. Yeah. After university, I moved to D.C. So mm-hmm. I lived my adult life there and then got into one there. And, um, yeah, took the certification class and was like, oh, this is fascinating. Mm-hmm. I am into it. So from there, started um, uh, working with a wide marketing company, met a guy. He was like, oh, you should work with me. Okay. So started working with him and doing um, trade tastings and worked with wine festivals. And then as his business grew, I got more responsibility and was able to um, do different events and things with him. And then uh, spoke at a festival in Croatia. Met a woman there. We hit it off, kept in contact. And then she messaged me later and said, hey, um, you mentioned you, you know, had some teaching experience and you might want to live abroad. Um, we need a guest lecturer to do some wine classes at my school. Remember, I'm in Paris. Oh, word? Well, see you next week. <laughs> so it wasn't that fast, but um, we were able to work things out. And then I came over guest lecture and didn't want to leave. So here we are. And that was how long ago? That was January 2014. Oh, that's a nice, um, nice yeah. chunk of time. Yes. So I'm just like trying to get myself in your shoes. So okay. at this wine certification. Mm-hmm. And what is what is that part that that just makes you light up? That really lights you up about wine. Uh, I think the part I really like about wine at that time was a fascination of the flavor, mm-hmm. a fascination of like you have the aroma wheel here, <clears throat> a fascination of looking at this wheel. Well, this is actually the class I was in. So we had this. Oh. So looking at this. Oh, this is the original from from back then from this. No, this is just the, the, this is the uh, chart, the WSET the WSET chart, and so I just made a copy of this because I take it on my tours. But oh, this nice. is the, um, just chart the magic approach to yes. So wine. this is extra. I remember. Yes. <laughs> so this is the officialist <laughs> um, approaches, and so looking at. The color, and then you see the aroma characteristics like a fruit, floral, spice, stuff. And going through and picking out the different things as far as what this is and how different they tasted, how different they looked. Oh, this is from Chile. It's this way. This is from um, uh, Vouvray in the Loire Valley. It looks and tastes this way. This is a Syrah from Australia. It smells like this. It looks like this. It tastes this way because the soil is like this. It has this much sunlight. It rains this many days out of the year. That was completely fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And even still to this day, um, whenever I taste wine, I have to swirl and sniff. And I'm just like, wow. Like It's just because you if you think about it, it's just grapes growing on a vine. Mm-hmm. But then how do they get all these different flavors? Mm-hmm. Oranges taste the same wherever they are. If you get an orange from Florida, from Valencia, Spain, or wherever else oranges are from, it still is essentially an orange. You couldn't really pick out, oh, it tastes like this, it tastes like this. But with the grape, like, okay, yeah, it's different kinds of grapes. But if you take the same grape and you put it in different places, it tastes different. And that was fascinating to me. Oh, so you're all about the story as well. I am. Yes. And then, oh, meeting winemakers and talking to them and getting like the history. Because a lot of history of wine follow and how it moved around follows the history of the world. Mm hmm. So you think about champagne and that was popular during the time of kings and queens. And that's why it became this um, fancy major thing, because that's what kings and queens are drinking, because kings and queens were coronated and comes France. And that's where champagne comes from. Mm -hmm. So, okay, you drink what's around you. It just happened to be champagne. I happen to be a queen. Now champagne is fancy. I mean, still to this day, people look at champagne a certain way. It has a certain, je ne sais quoi. It has a certain, you know, whatever yeah, you to it. A certain amount of affluence to it. And you think that champagne is for 
special occasions. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, do you know this? People here will drink champagne. They're like, oh, what is Tuesday? Okay. Champagne. That is actually true. It yeah. is on the like it is. You can pick it from the menu. Yeah, just a glass of champagne. Mm-hmm. Just a glass of champagne, and no one's asking. Oh, are you celebrating something? But if I go home, uh, say I'm in Chicago. Oh, what are you celebrating? Thursday night. I'm celebrating Thursday night. I made it through <laughs> the day. I made it through the day. That's what I'm celebrating. So back to this um, yes. systematic approach to tasting yes. wine because. I think, I feel like seeing this, I feel like um, this is the kind of system that I would have, you know, whenever my dad explains wine to me, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm like, yeah, okay, you know, he does this, he uh, looks look at, at how, it. Mm-hmm. how it um, sticks to the glass or whatever, okay. and how many like little wine stones it has mm-hmm. on the bottom, like stuff like that. So I get all of that. Um, and then obviously the nose, as yes. you call it. Mm-hmm. Um, the c- okay, okay, you have condition, intensity, development. I mean, development. I, youthful. Yeah, development is kind of hard. So when you smell it, you can tell if it's like tired, like old. Um, you can tell if it's fully developed, if it's kind of like, oh, this can age a little bit or if it's like very young. Okay, but then for this, you have to have a lot of experience. You do, yeah. You can't just be like, oh, this is the third wine I've ever tasted. No, it's not going to work out. <laughs> That's not going to work. <laughs> okay, and then the aroma and then, yeah, but for the palate, you have so many different things. Mm-hmm. So now I can see how how intense you can you can get also during a wine tasting right? with this chart mm-hmm. because for me I, I thought like okay you know it's uh, the color and uh, all of that then then the nose but then I was like and then it's basically the flavor. right You're like so do I like it or not and it's like is it fruity what kind of fruits and then mm-hmm. that's kind of it when I'm talking to other people about it I'll just talk about the um, fruit I'll maybe talk about uh, tannin if I'm doing a red wine I rarely do um, intensity or alcohol I'll mention acidity if it is um, a high acidity like Riesling is just an acidic grape so that is always going to be higher in acidity so I'll mention it then but other than that I don't mention that because that doesn't affect people as much mm-hmm. and people's flavor um, the way their palate works they don't recognize that the same Mm-hmm. The thing that people do recognize the same, um, bitter, uh, and bitter and sour. Yeah. People can agree on that. Oh. When it comes to other flavors like high acidity or even sweetness, <clears throat> people don't agree on what is sweet and what isn't. People's palates are very different for that. But bitter, you have more people that agree, oh, this is bitter or sour this is sour sweet well, that's not sweet to me it's sweet to me it's not sweet to me <laughs> like that's so different uh, that's also why when I do tastings or just talk in general about wine I caution people about saying they want a wine that's sweet or describing a wine in that way you can describe a dessert wine as sweet and say this is sweet it's a dessert wine because you know that a dessert wine is going to be sweet with sugar but if you tell someone that you just want, I want something sweet. Well, a ripe melon is sweet. Mm-hmm. So is cotton candy. Yeah. What sweet do you want? That is such a range. You can have this fresh peach and all like, oh, this peach is so sweet. I can also have literally a piece of candy. Like, wow, this candy is sweet. So if you come and tell me you want a sweet wine, what do I give you? Do I give you a cantaloupe or do I give you a cotton candy wine? Well, also with wine, I think it's very difficult because it's still wine. It's not grape juice. Right. Right. (laughs) Because I feel like sometimes people, they expect grape juice and it's like, oh, it's kind of, you know, it's not as sweet as a, well, it's, I mean, it's wine. Yeah. Yeah. Let me talk about, or let uh, me ask you about sure. tannin. Okay. What What is it? So tannin is uh, a flavor that comes mainly in red wines. 
it comes because they ferment everything together. Skin, seeds, stems, all of that. And the tannin comes from that. Do you drink tea? I do. Okay. So have you ever left the tea bag in too long? Yes. And it gives you that really uh, dry mouth feel and that really gripping thing. That's tannin. Oh. Uh, yeah, that's mm. tannin. Okay. So, so remember mean- that for when you taste wine, you're like, oh, these tannins are big. Or, oh, it's like tannin. <laughs> yeah. Just remember that from that tea bag. You'd be like, oh, wow. I think what I would, um, I think... I would then describe it as a velvety something leaves some like as if, as if I mm, as juicy. if I put my tongue on some velvet. This is what I this is what I feel. Okay, like. and like your tongue wines. is super dry, like it takes all the moisture out of your mouth. Yeah, just like a little yeah. velvet carpet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and also um, it comes from because you know I want to give people all the information. It also <laughs> comes from the barrel it's aged in or fermented in. So while oh. it does come from the skin, the seeds, the stems, because they put all that together for red grapes, they'll also ferment it or age it in an oak barrel, and so you'll get tannin from that wood. So okay, oak, oak barrel mm-hmm. gives you a lot of tannin. Yes. Is that correct? It can, depending on the toast of the barrel. What's the toast of the so barrel? So the barrel, they don't just take wood, slice it up, no, and then make a barrel. They season it. They season it. Right. I did air quotes because you can't see me. <laughs> season is in air quotes. And uh, what seasoning is, is they'll cut it up into planks and then they'll sit it outside for a period of time. Mm-hmm. That period of time could be six months. It could be 16 months. Mm-hmm. It depends. So then they bring the, and so outside it is seasoned by all that is outside. All that is outside. Rain, sleet, snow, hail, sunlight, birds flying overhead. You get the drift. <laughs> they bring them in and then they um, make them into the shape of a barrel. Mm-hmm. Depending on the winemaker who is requesting them, he will request a type of toast. Light toast, meaning just you know, they'll set a fire in the middle and they put the barrel around it. And then it'll be like just a light toast on the barrel. Or they'll do medium toast or they'll do heavy toast. Light toast actually imparts more flavor than heavy toast. I didn't understand it either. I thought it'd be the other way around. No, but I think I think I know why. Okay. Tell me. <laughs> okay, so if you have this wood sitting outside mm-hmm. and it's seasoned by the weather. Yes. Seasoned by the seasons. I know. Um <laughs> seasoned! Ah We are all having revelations today. This is fantastic. And then you bring it in, you make the barrel, and there is still some it, so it's still it's still not fully dried. Oh, true, probably. So I guess it has to, to do depending on how much if it's only light toast, there is still so much moisture and so much okay. juice sitting in, oh, in the wood. Okay, that makes sense. So I think that's probably why yeah, the drier sense. the wood, yeah. the, the the least it's going to do. That makes sense. Well, I grew up in the countryside. So. Yeah, that's right. And I did not. I'm like, uh, trees, what? <laughs> I'm like, okay. Yeah, All these trees, yeah. Okay, so oak barrels. Mm-hmm. Is that always oak barrels? Could it also be like a, a cherry cherry tree? Um, probably not a cherry tree, but it's not it's not always the same type of oak. There's Hungarian oak, there's American oak, there's French oak. Um there's also stainless steel. <clears throat> there's also concrete eggs. There's also amphorae that they put it in, put wine in and dig a hole in the ground. I mean, I saw recently that somebody was like, oh, yeah, this is a special marble barrel. And I was like, okay, what's the marble going to do? Yeah. Huh. That I'm not sure. But I know, like, with, I don't, I don't know if it does anything. They might do that to preserve the freshness of the grape. Because, like, Mm -hmm. with stainless steel, it doesn't change the flavor. It doesn't add anything to it. It doesn't take anything away. So they'll use stainless steel to just keep the authentic flavor of the grape. Oak will change the flavor mm-hmm. because oak has a flavor. Mm-hmm. Stainless steel doesn't. It doesn't give it a stainless steel metallic taste. It imparts nothing. So 
um, concrete. I think I think the shape of the concrete or something like that does something different. That part I have not done any research on, so oh, I cannot speak to that. Oh, concrete is weird. It's just not natural. <laughs> That's why I'm be like, okay. I mean. <clears throat> I guess it depends on what your grapes are and where you are doing this process. I think concrete may maintain the temperature better than other things. Oh, yeah. And I think it may be used for that reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some things that people use, I'm like, okay, this is just a gimmick. Like you're just mm-hmm. trying something. Just say, oh, well, you know, we age our wine and um, <laughs> plastic barrels that we put in a ship under the sea or in the sea. I'm like, what? <laughs> Uh, okay, yes, and it's going to taste different because the motion of the ship and blah, blah. <laughs> okay, if you don't just... Whenever you have to do that much stuff, what, what is wrong with your grapes? Uh, like, why would you hide the flavor of your grapes if your grapes are what they're supposed to be? Yeah. You wouldn't. So, is it with the grapes? Is it like... <clears throat> it, is it some sort of breeding that they do? Could it be be described as breeding? I don't, I don't know how to. What's the plant word for breeding? <laughs> it's not breeding. Uh, it's like crossing. Yes. Oh, they cross and make hybrid grapes and things like that. Yeah. So what's in a um in a riesling? What kind of grape do they use? So that's a re- So riesling is one that is just the natural grape riesling. Now, if you take something like pinotage, which is a grape from South Africa, it is a cross between a pinot noir grape and a Sansor grape. Oh. And so they did a crossing of those two and mm-hmm. then made that. And the baby. Yeah. The thing about grapes, though, um, and grape vines, grapes are, I forget the scientific term for it, but you can't just plant like a grape seed into the ground and it will grow up and be what you think it's going to be. That's not how it works. So they take, if they want to replant things, they'll take a vine clipping. So they'll take a clipping of the vine and plant that. Oh, I see. Instead of just saying, hey, we got these grape seeds. Because I think if you plant grape seeds, like it could probably come up as anything. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, oh, I thought this was Pinot Noir. And it is like a green grape and not red. And it, it could be anything. So. so you need the actual leaf, make the leaf sprout or whatever. Yep. Make it. Cut that off. Snip, root. snip. Plant that. Oh, nice. Et voila. <laughs> <clears throat> yes. Um, I forgot where I wanted to... Oh, yeah. Um, so I guess the wine has taken you on a on a journey, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Where has it taken you geographically? Well, I'm currently in France, so it has definitely taken me here. <clears throat> taken me all around France. I have gone to Croatia, mm-hmm. Serbia, Turkey, uh, London... Germany, Portugal, Spain. Mm. Yeah. And then other places in the States, you know, of course, Napa and Sonoma. I can't say, oh, I'm a wine person and I live in, and I'm American and never been to Napa and Sonoma. Um, Wine regions in Virginia and Maryland. Uh, Where I have not been and wanted to go in the States, I haven't been to like Oregon wine regions. Mm -hmm. I haven't done that. I've also been around France. In Oregon? Yeah, Oregon makes great wine. I have no idea. They do an amazing Pinot Noir. Oh, this is a bit, this is news to me. I thought there is um, weird people in Portland <laughs> and this um, weird grizzly bear, <laughs> or whatever they call it. What do they call it? What is it? What is it called? I always forget. Bigfoot? You mean that? It's not. Well, they have a special term. It's not Bigfoot. Okay. They have a. They have a. They have another term for. I have to so, Google that. Yeah, I don't remember. I thought those are the two things that are. Okay. I have been to Portland. That's why I was like, okay, okay. it's. Uh, yeah, I've been to Portland. I actually went to Portland for cocktails. <laughs> um, because I would do wine. And then since wine is tied to bars and restaurants, mm. I got a little bit into cocktails and um, would meet up with bartenders and go to cocktail conferences as well. So I could be a more well-rounded professional. Yes, so, you better. Yes. But yeah, that's where um, wine has taken me. Uh, this year, I've been to... Uh, 
Toulouse and judged a wine competition there. Oh, oh my God. Tell me, go into detail about this. I want to know about... Uh... So the wine competition, it, and this one is interesting because it's wine in a box. So uh-huh. it is a competition where we judge wines that are in a box. <laughs> like a tetra brick. Um, tetra brick or just those cardboard boxes that have the oh, plastic yeah. pouch in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even just the plastic pouch that has the handles and you just walk around to the picnic or to the canal or <laughs> to your barbecue or whatever. Like, don't, don't bring them to somebody's house for like a nice dinner. Like, don't do that. No. But if you're outside for a barbecue, yes. perfect. Like tailgating, um, a sporting event, outdoor concert. Take this cardboard box so you don't have to worry about a corkscrew. You don't have to worry about, you know. Also, it doesn't uh, spoil as fast. And you have more wine. A box is about four bottles. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And so it's much easier to carry a box than four bottles. Box? Four bottles. Definitely, yes. Clanging around. So... (laughs) The way the competition works is um, people submit their um, box wine and they take the they take the boxes, they take the bags out of the box and then put them in a no name box. And then they pour the wine for that. They have them set up at different tables and then they pour the wine for the people at the table. We sit there, we kind of talk about the wines that they pour for us, t- taste it, we discuss it, give it a rating. And um, we do this for maybe like we might have like 10 12 wines at the table mm-hmm. and we'll go through this for a few hours maybe mm-hmm. three or four hours it'll mm-hmm. take us to do it and um then we hand in our judging sheets and then we're done and then we look at the results maybe like in a week two weeks we can go on the website and see the results uh i mean how how diluted is your judgment by just getting drunk from the tasting? Oh, so that's a thing. When you taste wine, you don't drink it. Especially if you're judging a competition. I don't drink it. I spit it out. I yeah. just, I mean, of course, you can't spit it all out. Like, of course, there's some that always, mm-hmm. you know, makes it down. Um, but you, you know, you do the smell it, you swirl it, then you swirl it around in your mouth and then you spit it out. Mm-hmm. Because if you did drink, oh my God, you would, first of all, your palate would be so fatigued. You yeah. would be so tired. And then yet, like you said, you would be drunk. Like we tasted 12. And that was a small competition. I t- judge another competition and we taste, I think we do like 20 in the morning. What? Oh my God. And then in the afternoon, it's like, okay, how many? I go to the sheet, like, okay, 12. I'm like, oh, turn the sheet over. I'm like, 15. Yeah. I'm like, 27 wines. Yeah. In the morning. It would be, in the morning, it might be like 12, 15. Oh my God. Yeah, that's what I say. That's for breakfast. For right? breakfast. Oh. Yeah, because we start judging at like 9, 9 30. Oh, my God. oh, I would not be so ready. So we can go to lunch. I would not be ready. Yeah. And then I always get up. I'm like, oh, I need coffee to make it. And I'm like, oh, coffee's going to change my palate. I'm like, but I still need it. <laughs> my coffee's going to change yeah. my palate. Does it really, does it really change your palate a lot? It's, it's not a lot. No. I would do it if I was trying to, I can drink coffee and rate or assess if a wine is um, good or not. If it is true to the grape and true to the region, I can do that. If I was trying to blind taste something or be in a competition for myself, like a sommelier competition or something like that. Oh, no, no, no. No coffee. I'm doing, you know, some uh, neti pod to clear my sinuses so I can have full use of both nasal passages. Throat clear. Like, everything is clear. Like, not even use a strong mouthwash. I probably won't even use toothpaste that morning. It is a whole thing. It is a thing. I'll show you. I have a book over there, I think. And it was a girl saying all of the stuff that she went through when she first got into um, being a sommelier. And she was like, I didn't do this. And I don't drink this anymore. And I don't do this. And I was like, ooh, girl. Oh, because it's a whole different ball game if yeah. you're becoming a sommelier. Yeah. And then you have to blind taste. Yes. But Jesus Christ. Yeah, if you're doing the exams and things like that, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But for judging a competition um, or judging a wine, you can still get the essence of the flavor. It's not going to throw your palate off to the point where you're like, oh, this tastes good when it really doesn't. Mm-hmm. But if you were trying to taste the nuances of something and say, oh, is this a Cabernet Sauvignon versus a Syrah? Then no, you don't need to drink coffee that morning mm-hmm. and be careful with your toothpaste. Oh, I mean, all things going to your mouth and that'll change the flavor. So just like, you know, if you brush your teeth and drink coffee, well, that coffee's gross. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or you brush your teeth and drink orange juice. Ugh. That is the worst flavor ever. That's the worst. Yeah. So. I actually use this, co- uh, this, this coffee. I mean, this toothpaste. <laughs> um, you know, the one in the pharmacy, they have the Marvis one and they also mm-hmm. have the one that's called Boto. And okay. they have the the... the because um, I feel like they don't have this strong aftertaste, this yeah. like minty aftertaste. I think it's like, like American toothpaste. Has. Yeah, I use American toothpaste. Yeah, no, and the, the Bordeaux one, mm-hmm. I found one that actually tastes like cinnamon. Oh wow! Yeah, you should really, you should really go for. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, just go to City Pharma. Oh, yeah, cool. that place is amazing. <laughs> that place is Pharma. amazing. Yeah. Okay, this is um, this is a whole this is a whole universe. This whole uh, I've opened up a whole new universe to you. Well, yeah, I thought you know, I mean, I was really really excited about the idea of you doing basically like this little wine chart okay. <laughs> to doing you know to doing little tastings mm-hmm. with a bunch of women. Yes. And uh, really getting into your business. Because it doesn't exist in that form, does it? It's not. Mm -mm. Yeah, and I want to do that, like... I want to give it a name, like a cool, funky name, um, and do tastings and pairings. So it would be like Aperol style with like small bites, but around the theme. So it wouldn't just be like, all right, we have wine. No, I want it to be like a food paired with a wine. Um, oh, and not what are you thinking? Like I have a friend who does a tasting club, so I wouldn't necessarily want it to be a tasting club, but I would want us to kind of talk about what we're tasting, um, kind of get a feel for certain regions. Because I mean, we're in France, we have access to so much wine here. But how often do you taste multiple things? Like how often can you say like, oh, okay, I tasted seven Bordeaux side by side. Mm-hmm. Now I have a better idea of what Bordeaux tastes like. Oh, Yes. And then also, oh, Bordeaux goes very well with um, certain charcuterie, certain Mm -hmm. cheese. All right. That's what we have to go with it. Or like a practical, like, all right, does Bordeaux go well with like a steak? Okay. We have a steak or a roast. I mean, it'd be one steak. I cut it up and y'all eat it in pieces for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I'm not a millionaire yet. And so doing something like that and putting, making wine accessible, making it fun and making it relate to something because everybody doesn't just want standalone wine knowledge and they don't just want a tasting note. While that is interesting to some people, they don't just want a tasting note. And that's why with my podcast that I host, I also don't talk tasting notes. Mm-hmm. We've talked wine language, so if you hear a tasting note, you will understand what that means. But I don't talk tasting notes because I think there is so many more things you can talk about when it comes to wine. There's history, there's um, vintage, and there's the age of wine. There's what is a sparkling wine versus what is a champagne? Why does wine cost so much? What is a natural wine? All of these things you can discuss without just getting on, uh, you know, in front of the microphone and saying, hey, everyone, thanks for listening to Wine School Dropout. Um, This is cherries with uh, hints of green pepper and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I love that we did this here. and We started it with um, that. But you see, we've had a full conversation about so many other things that people find interesting that, I mean, I find interesting, (laughs) not just because it's me, but that's just find interesting. And I think people sell wine so short when all they talk about is, oh, look, this is what it tastes like Mm. to a bunch of people that may not even be able to get that particular wine. But if I can sell you on the region, if I can sell you on right bank Bordeaux, 
then okay, you have a better shot. Because when it comes to wine and you buying wine, it's not like with liquor. Mm-hmm. Like liquor, okay, I go into the store. I would like Grey Goose Vodka, please. Mm-hmm. Everybody's gonna have Grey Goose Vodka. If I go and I say, okay, I would like the um, uh, Cote de Bordeaux from um, Domaine Chateau, French's sounding name you can think of. Oh, we don't have that one. Uh, what do you say then? If that person doesn't have any more information or any knowledge behind why they are asking for that, then they can't ask for something else. And if the wine shop or the restaurant suggests something else, the person won't know why they may or may not like that. So they need so much other information before you get to, all right, uh, you should buy this wine because I said so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I said that it was cherries. I like cherries. Give me one that tastes like cherries. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, that's it? Like, what? Why don't you just drink cherry juice? Yeah. Okay? So, yeah. Sorry, I got on a... On a whole tangent. Yeah, I went on a whole... Got on the soapbox and said, all right, I have a microphone. I'm going to talk. No, but I do understand because, for example... If I didn't have this, um, you know, if I didn't grow up around this culture of my parents, like drinking and discussing wine, and then we would go to these, um, to the Eastern region of Austria. And then now going to a restaurant and they give you the wine, (laughs) the wine menu. Yeah. I mean, I know, okay, I like a Chardonnay, I like this, and the, the other things, I don't even worry about them. Yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't care about them. And if there is one uh, particular wine that I, that I know about, I'm like, oh, you have this one? Oh, great, I'm going to go for that one. Otherwise, I'm just going to go for like a more like standard choice yeah. where I know, okay, I'm, I'm sure that I will like this. But, for, but I think for many people, they look at the wine menu and nobody, they pass around the wine menu and they're looking for the one person. They make, break out in a full sweat. They're like, I don't know what to do yeah. here. I don't know what this is. I don't know what I'm looking for. I don't. <gasps> yeah. And then it's like, what do you recommend? And right. then even the waiter is like, I don't fucking and, know. And then the waiter will recommend something that the waiter likes or that the waiter is trying to sell. Like the waiter might know like, all right, this, this is an old wine and we need to get rid of it. You know, this has been open too long. So yeah, just go ahead. Or this yeah. is the last day we can sell this. Yeah. So they'll put that, oh, you should try this. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. And then you taste and you're like, it's okay. It's not what I had in mind. Mm. Um, but what I say when people aren't sure give the waiter something to work with. Um, what do you usually drink? What flavors do you like? Um, is there a certain region that you uh, want to pick from? And that's also something that you could just think about yourself when you're going to look at wines. Like you mentioned, you like Chardonnay. Okay, you might, you're in France, you might drink a lot of Chardonnay from France. Are you drinking Chablis? Are you drinking Petit Chablis? Are you drinking Macon? Are you drinking Chardonnay from Cote Chalonez? So you usually drink Chablis. All right, maybe try one from Macomb. Maybe try one from Coach Alanez. So maybe just try the same grape, but from a different place. Mm-hmm. Or if you drink a lot of, you know, um, French wines and you'll stick with the French Chardonnays. Okay, maybe try a Chardonnay from somewhere else. Oh, it's a Chilean Chardonnay on the menu? Let me try that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to happen in France. They don't have anything on here, but French, <laughs> thanks. But try like same grape from a different place mm-hmm. and see what you think about that. If there is a producer that you usually buy and you see that producer on, on the wine list, order that wine from that producer because they it's probably the same um, area of land. And so it's going to be close as far as soil type, climate and all that. So it's probably going to be something else that you may like as well. Mm-hmm. Also tell the waiter or the person at the wine shop what you're going to be eating. Because what you drink with um, cheese and charcuterie is going to be different than what you drink with like a roast. What do you What do you go for when you have a little apple with some cheese and charcuterie? For me, this is tough because if I'm just doing apérol, I don't usually pair it with apérol. I just drink what I want to drink. Mm-hmm. And so I look at the list and I look for something interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, 
whether it's a region that I don't drink from often or maybe a region that I drink from all the time. And I'm like, oh, I just am in the mood for this. Um, I'll go for that. Like now it's winter. So definitely drinking red wine, drinking a lot from Southern Rhone Valley, mm-hmm. a lot from Long Dark Russio. Mm-hmm. The main grapes in their red blends, Grenache, Syrah, Mauvedre, Carnier, Sanso, I love all of those. And then together, I love them. <laughs> so drinking a lot of those. Where do you go in Paris um, to have to have those good wines? Because you can't go to any generic bar. No. <laughs> If I'm going and I really want to do like a um, wine thing, uh, like last night I was at Macaw Fleury, mm-hmm. which is um, over Rue Saint-Denis. Mm-hmm. I think that might be the second, third, fourth. Okay, we're going to put those in the show notes. Well, yeah, put that in the show notes where that is. Gonna be a whole so I went there. Recommendations. Yes. Then also went to Carousel Francaise, mm-hmm. which is close to Chatelet Leal. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, like both of those places, Macaw Fleury uh, does a focus on Champagne because Champagne Fleury is the one who owns it. Oh, okay. And so they have their own champagne. So they have a lot of champagnes there. But you can also get some steel wines there as well. Carousel Francaise has a carousel, like, you know, in sushi places that they have the sushi that goes around. What? So they have like cheese and charcuterie. They don't have the wine on there because that's going to fall off. But the cheese and charcuterie goes around on the... Um, no way. Yeah. Kind of conveyor belt. That's yeah. so cute. And then they have um, a great selection by the glass. They also mm-hmm. have a nice bottle selection. Um, one of my favorite places to go is Freddy's in the sixth. I mm-hmm. love going there. I take people there on tours. Mm-hmm. Uh, Levant Comtois, uh, Sur le Marché, Sur le Mer, both of those. Um, well, Chez Du, also in the sixth. I used to live in the fifth, so that's why a lot of my picks at first used to be in the sixth. Um, there's a place in the 17th that I love, Le Measurette. They actually just opened a few weeks ago and he has a fantastic selection and also has some really good, uh, tapas and small plates in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Le Petit Pot, mm-hmm. also great. What else? I mean, I feel like I don't want to give you all my gems because then I don't want to go and can't get in because everybody has crowded. <laughs> I'm like, why can't I get in? All the listeners are in the bar. <laughs> my goodness. Let me back in. Oh, there is that one wine bar that I went to, but like, actually it was so crowded. They said we're out of glasses. What? I'm like, well... That doesn't mean it's a funny floor. Yeah, no, it was not. We, we left. We left. You want to call them out? What was the name of it? Oh, God. A lot has to happen for you to be out of glasses. Yeah. At a and wine bar. Because also, like, you keep... At a cocktail bar, that's a little different because you make a cocktail in a fresh glass every time. Hmm. But usually at a wine bar, like, you'll just come back and fill up this same glass yeah. with wine. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, well, I'm... Have glasses. Did they break them? Let me stop. I don't know. I mean, it's such a good bar, though. Um, I have to find out and put it in the show notes because the... The food is really, really okay. good. Or don't put it in the show notes. Just tell me so I can go I will first. Listen. And then you can put it in the show notes. <laughs> like, but you just have to go there early. Okay. You just have to go there early to... But uh, even make a reservation a week, bef- a week before because they're very... What very area good. is it in? Do you remember that part? It's very close to... It's close to Republique, but a bit more... Barrage? I wouldn't even know. Okay. Yeah, you'll tell me. I wouldn't even know, but it's close to the... Maybe we'll tell the listeners. Maybe. But well, I'm gonna know. To- All right. <laughs> Maybe you'll see it on my Instagram at Girl Meets Glass. Yeah, and but Maybe then, you'll see it. And then you're gonna, I've already been. I've already been. And then you're not gonna tag it. It's like- I'm not gonna tag it at all. But I'm at the wine bar we talked about. What's the name of it? All in the comments. What's the name? What's the name? Not Can't gonna tell. tell. You. Like, it's a secret. It's a private place. Yeah. Can't get in, can't sit with us. Yeah. What would you like, ladies, lady listeners, what would you like to give them on their way um, from your wine world and also from my wine world? Yeah, and maybe probably also a bit of like a male dominated one. Okay. Oh my gosh, so male dominated. I've been at places where for sure I'm like, oh, okay, there are three women in here. And also, if 
for people who are listening who can't see me. I am African-American, so I am the only one often mm-hmm. at places. So that's like a whole, that's a whole other podcast mm-hmm. as well. But to leave with people, when it comes to wine, don't let a man tell you what you will and won't like. Um, I mean, he can make a suggestion, but arm yourself with a little information on your own. Maybe also look up the WSET chart. Yes, look up a tasting <laughs> chart. Come up with a few words of things that you like. Fruity, spicy, herbal. You probably won't describe your wine overall as vegetative. Um, flower, flower, spice, fruit, herbs. Use those. Um, and then that will help you. More information, of course, listen to my podcast, Wine School Dropout, wherever you get your podcast. Very important. Um, I'm Girl Meets Glass on all social media, and I put tips and things out uh, about wine, sometimes where to drink if I'm being extra generous. And also, don't be afraid to taste something new. If I could leave you with anything, don't be afraid to taste something new. Uh, try it if you don't like it okay you know you don't like it now i will suggest if you're chasing something new do that by the glass don't go out and say oh this is a 50 dollars bottle i'm gonna try something new tanisha said so no don't put that on tanisha tanisha did not say that <laughs> but there are a lot of free tastings at wine shops and wine bars um friday nights uh saturday afternoons and things like that taste some things see what you you know may like or uh, won't like don't automatically discount something because you think you won't like it like oh i don't like merlot oh how many merlots have you had one okay you've had one merlot from one place all right try a merlot from another place Mm -hmm. maybe you will or maybe you didn't like that winery's representation of merlot so don't let one thing cancel um, out your interest for that particular grape mm-hmm. yeah uh, well, yeah I think that might be it for me I can't leave well no I think I've left enough gems for the people to pick up I mean generally everyone I mean listen to the wine school drop out sure <laughs> try something new and then and don't discount a wine right because in every episode of my podcast since it's wine school dropout I leave cliff notes Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you know what Cliff Notes are. No, I don't know what Cliff so Notes are. So Cliff Notes are, it's a very American thing. So you know you have to read these big, thick novels and plays and things when you're going through grade school. Cliff Notes is like a short version of what it was about. Uh-huh. So instead of reading the whole thing in school, we would get Cliff Notes. Mm-hmm. It's not cheating, but it gives you a summary of like each chapter. It answers some questions that maybe you get in school. So you can read the cliff notes at 20 pages mm-hmm. instead of the novel that's 400 mm-hmm. so the cliff notes are three points that i make during the episode mm-hmm. so one school dropout style cliff notes three points here don't be afraid to try something new uh don't just discount a grape because you've had it once or twice try it from another region try um try it from another winemaker and three listen to wine school dropout oh definitely <laughs> well thanks so much for having a conversation tonight tanisha no problem this was my pleasure thank you for asking i hope it's not the last one so oh no we're gonna talk again and have some wine because <laughs> we have to finish this glass and there's still a little more in the bottle so oh my god yeah so thank you This was my chat with Tanisha today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. If there is anyone you know who you think would be perfect for the show, recommendations are always welcome. For news, workshops and blog posts, all things Paris, head over to lebureau.com and I'll catch you next time with another episode of That's My Niche.